You're listening to Civic from the San Francisco Public Press. On this edition, we'll talk about how voters can participate in the upcoming California recall election, from filling out the ballot to tracking its processing status. Votes in the first part and the second part of the recall contest are tallied independently. If there are more yes votes than no votes in the first part of the contest, then the candidate who receives the most votes in the second part will be elected as governor. It's really up to the voters. They are the ones that have the option if they choose to vote uh, only in the first part or in both parts. So whether you vote in one or both parts of the uh, recall contest, you can only make one single selection. I'm Laura Wenis, and this is Civic. California's governor is facing a recall. Voters will be asked whether they do or do not want to remove him from office. If the recall is approved, there are more than 40 candidates vying to replace him, and they're listed on this ballot, too. If you're a voter, that ballot for the gubernatorial recall election should be arriving in your mailbox soon, around August 16th. You'll probably get information pamphlets from the state and the city as well. You can mail your completed ballot in or drop it off in person. We went over the details of when and how to participate in this election and what to do if you didn't get a ballot with Evangelina Pena, co-manager of the Outreach Division at the San Francisco Department of Elections. So there are two questions on this ballot, if I understand correctly. One is a yes or no vote on whether or not to recall the governor. And another is a question of which candidate would be your choice for governor should the recall succeed. Am I characterizing that correctly? Correct. So the gubernatorial recall contest is the only contest on the September 14th election ballot, but it does have those two parts. So the first part will ask, shall Gavin Newsom be recalled, removed from the office of governor? And the second part will list the names of replacement candidates. So this is a key question I'm seeing a little bit of confusion about. If you vote no on the recall, you want Gavin Newsom to remain in office, but you do select a candidate for replacement, Are you signaling that you do, in fact, want to recall the governor from office? Do those votes conflict? So votes in the first part and the second part of the recall contest are tallied independently. Mm -hmm. If there are more yes votes than no votes in the first part of the contest, then the candidate who receives the most votes in the second part will be elected as governor. Um, So it's really up to the voters. They are the ones that have the option to, uh, if they choose to vote uh, only in the first part or in both parts. So whether you vote in one or both parts of the uh, recall contest, you can only make one single selection in each. So in other words, do not uh, vote both yes and no, and do not select more than one replacement candidate. Somewhat related, why would someone vote no on the recall, but still select a candidate or only vote in one of these two questions? So it's up to the voters to really determine, uh, you know, what level of participation they want to have in the uh, you know, upcoming um, election, um, the first part will, of course, ask that yes or no question, um, and voters can fill it out or not. And then the second part, still, if most votes, if most voters uh, selected yes to replace the the governor, then perhaps they might want to have a say in who is the replacement. So it's up to the voters, really, um, what level of participation they'd like to take. But they will see these two questions on their ballot. Mm hmm. So in the last big election, voters, I think, got kind of bombarded with messaging that they would be getting their ballots sent to them and everything is default vote by mail. 
Has anything changed logistically about how voters are going to vote in this election versus the last one? Well, for this election, all voters will continue to receive their ballots in the mail, but it's not default vote by mail uh, system moving forward. So you still do have to opt in. But uh, there was a executive order that passed at the beginning of the year that said that if there would be any elections in 2021, that all voters would would receive a vote by mail packet. So starting August 16th, voters can anticipate uh, receiving mail with the ballot for the upcoming recall election. But we shouldn't be expecting this in other elections going forward. Is that right? Correct. Correct. Not unless there's any updates to the law next year or years to come. But currently for this year, it is vote by mail, but it's not the, the default. And that's because of the pandemic or for other reasons? Why did this executive order get signed? So the executive order got signed by the governor last year for uh, for the purposes of the pandemic, mm-hmm. and that continued through just to ensure that everybody is voting safely and would receive the uh, ballots in the mail, as well as to increase voter participation for the election. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned August 16th. When about should voters expect to be getting their ballots? If it's not there on August 16th, is it late? (laughs) So no, starting August 16th is when we anticipate that voters will start receiving their ballots in the mail. Um, If I recall correctly, I think they'll start going out this Wednesday. So then that way folks have it in time for early voting, which will begin next Monday, August 16th. Um, So then what will happen is that, you know, give it a week or so, there's also a really good resource at sfelections.org slash voter portal. And there you can actually track the status of your ballot. So then that way you know if it's been, you know, printed and mailed out to you and when, you know, whereabouts you should anticipate receiving it. So there's that tool as well as, of course, calling the department. If, say, you don't get it within that first week, you can always request a replacement ballot so that you can, you know, have it or come down to the City Hall Voting Center to to pick up a a vote-by-mail packet here. So there's options for voters, but we definitely want people to know that beginning August 16th, uh, folks will start receiving that in the mail. I love that there's this tracking tool. I mean, how how neat, (laughs) especially for impatient voters, you can basically figure out where your ballot is at before it even is is real. Like if you can see if it's been printed yet or not, that's incredible. (laughs) Yeah. And similar, like you would track a package, you also be able to see kind of when we receive your ballot, you know, once you mail it back or, or drop it off in person, when we actually count your vote. And then there's also a really cool tool that will continue to be available for voters this election, just like last. So the Secretary of State produced the where'smyballot.sos.ca.gov, where's my ballot tracking tool as well. So if you want to also receive either a text message, an email message, a voicemail regarding uh, the status of your ballot, that's something that voters can opt into as well for this election that kind of was successful last election too. Mm-hmm. Getting our health, uh, uh, we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit here Sorry. Um, because we're skipping ahead to when the ballots are already in. But I did want to double check on something you said, which is that we should give it about a week. If you're a registered voter and you haven't gotten your ballot within a week of August 16th, is that late enough to follow up with someone and check with the elections department or how long should you wait? Uh, no, it's not. If you are anticipating and you're just eager to, to vote, then you can definitely reach out to the department and we can mail you a replacement ballot if you didn't receive it. So if you want to make sure that, that you do get it by mail, you have um, basically ample time still to contact the department and have a, a replacement sent out to you.
So if you do not receive your vote by mail packet, perhaps because you, maybe you did move at the last minute or, or something happened that you just want to assure yourself that you have it, you can request a replacement anytime from August 16th through September 8th. So you still have time to get it mailed to you, um, you know, if you by chance don't receive it at any time starting from August 16th on. So let's say that you are not registered, but you want to vote and you are eligible. How do you do that and what deadlines do you need to consider? Certainly. So voters can still register and update their registration through August 30th if they want to do so online or by a paper voter registration form using those tools. Um, but after that August 30th date, then voters can still update their registration or register to vote. They just have to do it in person, either at the early voting center, which is here at City Hall, or on election day at your polling place. You know, through election day, you can register or update any anything uh, in that regard. But in order to exercise the most options available to you, we strongly encourage you to register or update your registration by August 30th. And then if you do that, um, can you still vote by mail? And, and if so, mm -hmm. when and how would you get your ballot? Yeah, certainly. So yeah, th that's why that August 30th deadline is very important because that will still give the department uh, an opportunity to mail out those, uh, you know, ballots to the latest registrants. Um, that's why even if, for example, you wanted that replacement ballot, you still have through September 8th to request it. Um, so we're still mailing it out. After that date, then, uh, you know, of course, you'll have to just come down in person in order to ensure that there's no mail delay or anything. Mm -hmm. Let's say a ballot was mailed out to my old address. I've moved. I don't update my address until after a ballot has already gone out to my old address. Do I need to contact the department specifically and say, hey, I've moved, send me a new ballot to my new address? Or how do I make sure that I can vote? Certainly. So if you update that information by that August 30th date, we'll ensure that you get that ballot to that new address that you have, uh, you know, let us know that is the, the latest and greatest for you. If, for example, you wait till the August 30th date to make these updates, we will still make the updates for you. Uh, what we'll do on our end is is um, we will still issue you uh, a replacement ballot because you're registered to vote through September 8th. So say after September 8th, though, you, that's when you're letting us know, uh, actually, I moved, I didn't get my ballot, you know, uh, can you send me a replacement? In that case, then you would have to request your replacement in person. So that way we can be sure to update your registration um, and also be able to count that ballot for you. Um, so important update us ahead of that August 30th date or you know if you're going to wait until uh, after September 8th let's say then you would need to do it in person for us to send you a replacement or give you a replacement in person. Mm -hmm. Okay I'm going to ask an obscure question. <laughs> I, I, I don't want to get too like into the weeds here of hypotheticals mm -hmm. but I do think that this is something that's possible um, because people tend to move around the beginning or the end mm -hmm. of the month. Let's say that I got my ballot at my current address um, and I I send it off, you know, late August. I filled it out. I've done everything right. And then I move. And like September 3rd, I update my address and my voter registration. Is there going to be a problem like verifying my ballot if my new address doesn't match the one on the ballot? 
No, uh, for us, what we do in order to count your ballot is we verify your signature. So mm. we do signature comparison to your voter registration. So if your signature from your voter registration matches that signature on your vote by mail uh, envelope or any other signatures that we have on file, if, if those compare, then that's how we count your ballot for, mm. you know, for you. Mm-hmm. So it's not based on the, the, the address if you moved, uh, for example, after you've already mailed that ballot back to us. Okay. And have I disqualified myself if I moved out of state, if I cast my ballot and then moved out of state in like September? Well, if you considered yourself, uh, for example, a San Francisco resident um, when you registered and that's mm-hmm. uh, wh- when you got your ballot. Um, so, no, you're, you're letting us know that you're a San Francisco resident. So you're eligible to vote if you continue meeting the other eligibility requirements. So, I mean, if you take action after you've, uh, you know, the election has passed or after you've submitted y- your information, then we wouldn't disqualify you for some action that you've already told us that you were a uh, resident of San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Just to cover all of our bases here, who qualifies to become a voter if they're not currently registered? Wh- what do they need to be in order to vote? So the registration requirements to vote are that you are a U.S. citizen, that you are a current resident of California, at least 18 years old on election day, not currently in prison for a felony conviction, and not currently found mentally incompetent to vote by a court. So a voter gets their ballot. What if filling out a paper ballot is a barrier to access for them? Do they have any alternatives? So yes, similar to last election, for this election too, all voters will have access to the accessible vote-by-mail system. So the accessible vote-by-mail system is an opportunity for folks that, um, you know, perhaps need to enlarge the print, uh, the size of of the font, uh, if they need to change the contrast. So it's another opportunity for you to be able to um, access the ballot. Uh, You do have to have access to a printer so that you can print it out. It's not online voting, but it is an opportunity, too, for folks also that have accessibility needs to be able to connect to the system, you know, with a screen readable uh, ballot. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also what would happen is that once you're done making your selections through the accessible vote by mail system, you still have to print out that ballot and mail it back to us in order for us to count your selections. Mm-hmm. But for this election, just like last, uh, this opportunity is open for all voters, where traditionally this is an opportunity for those voters with disabilities in the military. Oh, I see. Mm -hmm. And are there in-person options for, for getting assistance with accessibility? Oh, certainly. Here in San Francisco, I mean, we really pride ourselves in making so many services available to voters. So um, not only will our City Hall Voting Center open starting August um, 16th, but as well as uh, closer to election time, um, there will be 588 polling places throughout San Francisco available for voters to vote in person on Election Day. And then, of course, in addition to those 588 polling places and the City Hall Voting Center, where uh, folks are actually able to uh, vote, you know, in person, we will have opportunities for in-person ballot drop-off as well to make it as convenient as possible for voters to also have an alternative to dropping it off through USPS. I'm speaking with Evangelina Peña, co-manager of the Outreach Division at the San Francisco Department of Elections. So let's say I filled this out and then I realized I made a mistake. How do I fix it? 
Certainly. So you have a couple of options. So if you want to contact the department to get a replacement, we would be happy to do that. Say you did spoil your ballot, you can take advantage of uh, reprinting it through the accessible bulletin system and mailing that in. So oh. that's another option if you want to take advantage of, of the kind of that service. Um, a third option is, of course, to you know physically come to City Hall anytime after August 16th through election day to get a replacement ballot. Or if you'd like, you can even cross it out. And as long as your intent is clear, we can count that, you know, spoiled ballot, you know, with those annotations that you're, you know, letting us know and that it's clear that, oh, my selection is this, not that. So uh, it's human eyes that are verifying this um, as well as the, the voting equipment. So voters really have a couple of options there. You know, most importantly, if you uh, are submitting your ballot ahead of the election day, then you can still get that ballot replaced. Wow. I'm actually really surprised to hear that, um, that I could even cross out my vote. And as long as it's clear what my real selection is, I could still turn that in and have it be counted. How, yes, as long as clear? we can. Yeah, <laughs> so, so as long as we can interpret uh, the voters intent, then we would be able to still count your ballot for you. If huh. you have some concerns that, you know, your intent is not clear, I would just uh, suggest perhaps replacing your ballot how would I not fix it if I make a mistake? And I was going to guess, I'm pretty sure I shouldn't just try to cross out my one vote and fill in the other answer instead. But apparently that is a viable option. So are there any any options that are not on the table? Um, like what if I send two ballots in? So we wouldn't be able to count your vote because we wouldn't be able to determine your intent. Mm-hmm. Um, if, you know, there's... Uh, conflicting information particularly yeah. um you know so we wouldn't be able to basically don't do that because we wouldn't be able to count anything for you mm-hmm. are there any other don'ts that we should be aware of as voters <laughs> Well, again, I think uh, it's important to continue to emphasize, uh, you know, to not uh, mark both yes and no, mm-hmm. to not mark mo- more than one replacement candidate, because, mm-hmm. again, we wouldn't be able to interpret your vote and we wouldn't be able to count any of your, your choices. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, really, uh, 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 the biggest no, of course, though, is don't wait till the last minute. Don't, uh, you know, have your ballot be postmarked after September 14th, because then mm-hmm. in that case, it wouldn't count. Uh, the other big no is don't forget to sign your envelope, because then we can't verify that that you've submitted it. And, you know, we won't be able to count that ballot for you as well. A big no that sometimes, you know, kind of uh, happens is people actually sometimes seal their envelope and mail it back without the ballot inside. So it's kind of those situations that we want to try to avoid, um, you know, again, when it comes to returning the ballot. Uh, one important note is that sometimes folks don't check the last uh, pickup time uh, through the blue USPS boxes. Mm. And if they're sending it on election day and say that last pickup already occurred, then their ballot's going to be late because, you know, it's not going to be postmarked with a September 14th date or earlier. Um, So those are kind of the the big uh, places where voters should be uh, mindful to just make sure that they exercise the other options available to them, taking advantage of those ballot drop-off locations. For this election, just like uh, for the last election, we will also have ballot drop-off locations at each of the supervisorial districts, one each in each of the uh, uh, a different supervisorial district, voters really have, will have an opportunity to drop off their, mal- uh, their ballots in addition to sending it uh, through USPS. The 
polling places on election day too. Another great option for voters to just come into any of those 588 polling places to drop off their ballots, you know, as well. We'll have extensive hours on election day. Um, so lots of options for voters to ensure that they're submitting their ballot uh, before 8 p.m. on election day in order for uh, us to be able to count their vote. Mm-hmm. You mentioned a few things there, um, but just real briefly mm -hmm. walk us through the steps for um, sealing your ballot in that envelope. You need to put the ballot inside, which is an important yes. step to remember. And then you mentioned signatures. What else do we need to be mindful of? Once you start receiving your vote by mail packets, you'll not only have your ballot, you'll have an instructional sheet, you'll have a postage paid return envelope, and an I voted sticker. So once you have made your selections on the, ba on the ballot, put it in the envelope, assign your envelope, seal it, and then make sure that it's postmarked on or before election day for us to be able to count it. You do not need a stamp, correct? You do not. It's all postage right. paid here in San Francisco and I think along California in general. Okay. The 588 polling places, that's a lot of different polling places. That's a lot of different options. That's great. Those are not open, you know, other than Election Day, right? Correct. Only okay. on Election Day. All right. So on Election Day, I have a lot of options for places to drop off my ballot. Before then, I have one in each of the 11 districts. Where do I find those drop-off locations? Drop-off locations and the uh, polling place information is listed at sfelections.org slash myvotinglocation. Mm, okay. One, one thing I want to, uh, want to be clear on, will my ballot be counted faster if I drop it off in person versus mailing it? Or does it just depend on when I dropped it off? Are there even determining factors there? No, we're, uh, we count every uh, ballot that is received. So uh, just how fast we do it, you know, will really uh, vary, but there's no, you know, kind of uh, sp speedier process if you do so in person. Again, it's very important to note to voters to take advantage of that tool, the voter portal through sfelections.org, where you'll be able to see the actual status of your ballot. So you mm -hmm. know when we received it, when we actually extracted your ballot from the envelope, and most importantly, when we when we counted it. Can you explain provisional ballots real quick? Why might Certainly. I vote provisionally and what does that mean? Provisional ballots are, um, let's say that uh, we did mail you your ballot and you either did not receive it, did not let us know that you needed a replacement, say you came in person to vote, but we've already have on our notes, oh, we did send you a ballot. So we'll give you a provisional ballot just to make sure that we don't count two ballots you know, for you. So mm -hmm. what we'll do is we'll give you a provisional ballot. Also say, um, you know how we talked about there's 588 polling places throughout San Francisco. Mm -hmm. So let's say you don't go to your assigned polling place location. You go to a different location. Your name is not going to be in the roster of voters. So we're going to give you a provisional ballot just to make sure that you didn't go to two polling places to try to vote. So what we'll do is when we're processing our ballots on our back end, that's our, 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 our way of ensuring that basically you're not 
you know, count, uh, voting twice. Um, so the provisional ballot just lets us know there's another kind of ballot at play. So either because you got that vote by mail ballot or because you didn't go to your assigned polling place just before we can actually count it. So it will get processed. It will get counted last. But that's because we're going to do our due diligence to ensure that you didn't already mail back a ballot or that you didn't go to your assigned polling place if you happen to go to a different one in order to, you know, uh, kind of turn in multiple ballots. Yeah. How do you verify that? When we're processing everything on the back end, we process every ballot that, you know, uh, comes through the department first. So then if we see, oh, we received a vote by mail ballot, you know, from X, Y and Z, um, you know, uh, already. And then we see that, oh, this person also submitted a polling place, a location ballot, then we're only going to count one. For example, if voters did submit the, the vote by mail ballot through the mail and then they're like, but I want to make sure it gets counted. So I'm going to go on election day two and I'm oh, going to no. vote at my polling place. What we'll do is we'll, we'll issue you that that provisional ballot just to make sure that, you know, we already didn't receive a ballot in the mail. So when we're doing our count, at, you know, post-election. Uh, that's how we are able to verify um, that this person actually already mailed back their ballot ahead of the election. But on election day, they they came to vote in person. So if we process that vote by mail ballot first, then that's the ballot that will count. Voters are getting a ton of information for a two question ballot here. There's mm-hmm. the voter information pamphlet from the city and the voter mm-hmm. information guide from the state. What should we expect from these two documents? Should there be differences? Are there just different kinds of information? What are we looking at here? So California voters will receive the state voter information guide, and that one will include information about the gubernatorial replacement candidates. So around the same time, too, so mid-August we're looking at, San Francisco will also be mailing out the local voter information pamphlet. And the local pamphlet um, that will go out uh, will have a sample ballot and information about voting options in the upcoming election. So all of the information regarding language accessibility uh, services, um, and then, of course, uh, th- that sample ballot as well. So that will be the, the distinction between the, the two guides. The one that you're going to get from the state will have all of those replacement candidates and information about them. The one that you get at the local level will have your sample ballot and information about your voting options here in San Francisco. All of that, those details about the, the ballot drop-off locations, uh, polling place information, in-person services, that will be at the local level. Great. And it takes more than 2,500 poll workers to conduct an election. How's the city doing so far on finding enough volunteers to do this work? Certainly. So we're always looking, actively recruiting uh, folks to come and participate um, and join the team, really. Currently, we have uh, about 2,400 people that have already signed up to be poll workers on Election Day. But of course, we're always recruiting more because it takes a lot of, uh, you know, just uh, people power to ensure that we're providing free, fair and functional elections for the San Francisco electorate. So uh, we're always looking for poll workers to serve on Election Day. It is volunteer based, but there is a stipend um, as our gratitude for participating on Election Day. So, of course, if you're interested in learning more about the poll worker opportunity, sfelections.org slash PWA is a great resource uh, to learn more about that opportunity.
And you All don't right. have to be a citizen. You can be a permanent resident uh, if you want to serve, learn more about elections and participate in the process by ensuring that, that voters have access to the information uh, on Election Day. Then that's a good opportunity, too, if you're, you, know, you, you would be interested as well. Mm-hmm. Anything else you want to add that you want voters to know about this election? Um, uh, take advantage of the Department of Elections, our phone lines, our uh, website, wealth of information, lots of resources to ensure that uh, you're able to vote in a matter that uh, is best for you. Uh, we're happy to provide any level of service. Um, same thing if you would benefit from learning about these opportunities, uh, you know, just more enhanced uh, uh, community outreach um, to make sure that uh, folks are aware of what's coming, what the ballot looks like. Um, the Department of elections is really here to be your resource and you know come and, and lend that support um, however you'd like to see it so uh, don't you know don't be afraid to give us a call and let us know uh, what else we could be doing for you that was evangelina pena co-manager of the outreach division at the san francisco department of elections i'm laura wenis and you've been listening to civic before i let you go today At the Public Press, which is Civic's parent organization, we've been working really hard during this pandemic to pursue angles we're not seeing much coverage of elsewhere, or to take a more systemic look at the issues that are surfacing in the headlines. The San Francisco Public Press is a nonprofit, and we're inspired by the public radio model. That's the idea that people who are able to support the work that we do so everyone can have access to it without paywalls or ads. If you think we're onto something, we'd very much appreciate if you could show your support. You can do that by going to sfpublicpress.org slash donate, or by helping us get the word out about this show. Subscribe on whichever podcast platform you use, or leave us a review. It really does help. So thank you. 